With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. Give your glucose alerts and readings from the G7. Do not match symptoms or expectations. Use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to Fantasy Football Weekly, a production of iHeartRadio. Time now for Fantasy Football Weekly from iHeartRadio, your weekly source for the nation's best fantasy speculation and advice. Now, along with the guys from guillotineleagues.com, here's your host, Paul Charchian. Welcome to a week two edition of Fantasy Football Weekly. I am Paul Charchi, and my co-hosts today are Scott Fish and Brian Johnson. Hey, guys. It seems like I never leave now. I know. I'm just love always it. We here. love having you here. It's fantastic. Uh, Brian, um, not as much you, but, um, <laughs> you know, but you're here. There so, were, so there's that. There were ones of people asking me if I was going to be on the show, show. today. All yeah, right, so good. I yeah. was missed by yeah. some. You're one. one was like my mom. Yeah. The other was... Both Why? of your guys' moms. Well, no, and your, and your new puppy. Very yes. concerned. Oh, Ruby. Ruby. So Kangaroo. Cute. Your teams are either 1-0 and or 0-1 and if you're only in one league. And the temptation is to feel like if you're 1-0, and you nailed it. And if your temptation is the temptation of your 0-1 is to go, oh, my team's a disaster. Most likely, you know, you're going to end up 1-1 and at the end of this week, and you're somewhere in between those two spots, and it's probably not as good or bad as you think, and it'll all even out a little bit. Take um, as just one example the Mike Williams game from week one to week two. You know, those are the kinds of things that happen that tend to level the playing field a little bit in fantasy football in week two. The only people who should truly be upset about week one are those who were chopped in their guillotine league. Yeah, those those people. <laughs> Everyone else, just over. calm down. There's That's a lot right. of season left. You are okay. Uh, plenty of season left at guillotineleagues.com, by the way. We're still forming new leagues, 17-person yeah. leagues. Uh, through this week, uh, it'll be 16 next week as well. Will it be 15 the week after? Wait. I, oh, uh, I'm trying to figure 18, out how math works. 17, All right. That adds 16, up. Yeah. I, I was an English major. by zero, carry the one. <laughs> yes. All right. That's exactly right. <laughs> We've got plenty to get to over the course of this show. We will break down all of the games, Fantasy Football Weekly style, with letter grades on all of the players. We will go through our favorite players upon whom you can take a chance. We will answer three tough questions. And we will go into the time machine to give you some premature speculation near the end of the show. We begin with our first matchup of the week. Cardinals taking on the Raiders. Cardinals basically couldn't have looked worse in that first game. Boy, they... That defense, the Chiefs will make a lot of defenses look bad, but I think they're legitimately bad by any standard. Yeah, 
Yeah, it it did not look good last week. Uh, luckily for Murray, things should be maybe a little bit better this week. Las Vegas was the fifth worst against quarterbacks last week. But, I mean, you got to take into account that they played Justin Herbert. Yeah, so exactly. maybe it was just a Justin Herbert thing. But Kyler Murray's been a pretty dang good fantasy quarterback over the last few years. Uh, the offense was bad, as we'd mentioned. And Murray's day and really Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz day were saved by being down 30 in the yeah. first, fourth. That's not even hyperbole. Like it was thirty-seven to seven, and those two had forty total yards and no scores. Right. They got two touchdowns right at the end to make it. the The sledding's going to get a little easier here. Murray might need to get a couple on his uh, a couple with his a couple points with his legs, but I still have a B grade on him in a matchup that has the second highest uh, over under total of the week. Should still be a pretty decent shootout. Um, I have Greg Dorch on the bench. 91% of snaps, led in targets, yeah, tied that? in routes run. I almost want to give him a C here. I just don't know that I can count on it yet. Mm-hmm. I just don't know that maybe AJ Brown, AJ Brown, AJ Green gets more involved. Uh he's got the better matchup. Greg Dorch actually has one of the worst matchups in the NFL this week oh. going against one of the league's best up and coming slot corners, Nate Hobbs. Nate Hobbs the, is very Yeah. Good. Their nickelback slot corner, he's just he, he might take Greg Dorch out. So you got the plus matchups on the sides with Green and Brown. I do have a bench grade on Green because he's almost a decaying corpse of A.J. Green at this yeah, point. It's, it's sad what's happened there. But I do have the C grade on Marquise Brown. I could see him being upped from that. But he's going to get a uh, bench player now turned into starter with Anthony Everett out. Amik Robinson or Rocky Yassin, those guys will be on the outside covering Green and Brown in this one. Uh, Brown played like 92% on the outside last week, yeah. so that's where he'll be. Uh, C-grade on him, you could talk me into a B if you want no, to, but I, don't want I, to. I, I think a C-grade is fair. Zach Ertz, I'm giving a B-grade. Good matchup against a Vegas team who is bottom five by almost every metric against tight ends last year. They just allowed six Six uh, receptions for 78 yards and a score to tight ends last week in that Chargers game. He has been dealing with a calf injury, but he played through it last week. And he ran 27 routes. No other tight end even ran a route for yeah. them last week. So he gets everything. Side. He gets everything. He he got all the red zone targets for tight ends. He got everything. So uh, be in a good matchup for Ertz and just the scarcity of the position. James Conner also getting a B grade here. Played 100% of the Cardinals snaps inside the 10-yard line, which mm. you love to see with yeah. your fantasy running back. Inside the five is even better, I hear, Charge. That's, that's something is, you like to push. It is even better, yes. Uh, he, had fi- he played uh, 50 15 of the 22 he had 15 of the 22 running back touches he's basically getting it all the nice part is he had five catches on six targets he's taking the pass game work which we thought might go to Benjamin a little bit it it really didn't Benjamin had some of it he only had seven touches I got Benjamin on the bench I got Connor with a B as he's seemingly an every down back we'll see how much he gets out of it this but you can expect 15 plus touches. Uh, it, I just can't give him an A on this one yet. I need to see. I need to see a little more. Um, and he also, he needs touchdowns. Uh, on the other side, Derek Carr, A grade. I'm sorry. I love this. I absolutely I love this, love this matchup. I do too. I'm, I love so- it too. I'm totally with you on this. <laughs> yeah. So adding Devontae Adams is pretty big. Uh, you could argue 17 targets last week. Absolutely. You <laughs> could argue. Uh, you know, some of the best weapons in the NFL with there are a few better slot guys than than Hunter Renfro, and he's got Waller and Adams. Uh Arizona let Herbert go ham last week. The Vegas totals I've already mentioned. Um 
I, you know, I'm also giving Devontae Adams an A grade here, but I need a ruling from Brian. Brian, I need a ruling from you on this, on Devontae Adams. Uh, obviously, ton of targets. He's their number one receiver. It's going to be a shootout. It's an obvious A grade, but... You want the Fonzie? His grandparents are have never seen him play a f- professional game in the same... Like, the, they've never gone to the stadium. In for, person. In person. Okay. And like they're this. coming this week for the first time. He's super excited about that. Is that enough for an aardvark? Just like you well, Scott, you know me. I'm more of a Fonzie guy, but you, I will give him the A for that. The grandparents game, I love it. I love it. Okay, grandparents game. Uh, we're, we're giving the aardvark. Here I don't know what happened. Adams. We used to have Fonzie A on the on the soundbar. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna have the Fonz run over Robbie, that aardvark with his motorcycle. We, we need our Fonzie A back on the uh, back on the soundbar. Speaking of A's, it's for an A for Darren Waller as well. The Cardinals got the fun draw this year of Kelsey exploding for 121 yards in a score last week they weren't great against tight ends last year and they get darren waller this week it reminds me kind of the ravens last year didn't they start out with kelsey Mm -hmm. and waller and hawkinson and like so for the rest of the year we're gonna think that the cardinals are just (laughs) bad against tight ends when really they started out on this slope um waller was actually really productive with with his opportunities he only had four catches but he had 79 yards he should actually get more work in this one a grade on waller uh, B grade, Josh Jacobs. It's hard not to like the usage we saw despite the totals. He didn't have a lot of yards. Yeah, only the have... 12 carries. He was like almost it, six yards a carry. Yep. They only gave him the ball 12 times. Exactly. It's the usage I like, and I think he's going to get more volume in this higher scoring game here. He ran more more routes than all the other Vegas runners combined. He had 11 of the 16 touches, or 12 of the 16 touches. Uh, backups spelled him, but they didn't have an actual role. Not a pass-catching role, not a red zone role, not a two-man role. He was the lead guy, and he got the over 75% of the work. I got a B grade on Jacobs in a, a matchup. I think he surpasses that 12 from last week and he goes 15 plus. All right, let's go to the Bucks at Saints and Brian for the Buccaneers. It's a disaster scenario for fantasy owners and the Bucks really across their wide receiver position. We got to give a quick shout out to loyal listener Mark McNeil who dubbed them the Questioneers this week. I yes, thought that was uh, it's very good clever. considering very nice, Mark. we know that I believe they have five wide receivers that all have the questionable designation coming into this game, and Chris Godwin has been ruled out. Yeah, uh, so we'll start with Mike Evans. Uh, he has he's dealing with a calf injury. He did practice on Friday, so we'll assume. He's going to play on Sunday just to see for him, though. He uh, should see extra targets with Godwin out, but Evans will see a lot of uh, Marshawn Lattimore in coverage, which is, a, which is a tough matchup. Evans managed to score in one of two games against the Saints last year, but he totaled just three catches for 62 yards across both contests, so uh, not very high expectations for Evans in this one. Julio Jones, questionable with a knee injury. He also practiced on Friday, though, so he should be good to go. He did not look washed last Sunday night at all. Made a couple highlight catches, looked great. Uh, Only saw five targets, but Tampa Bay was running all over Dallas in that game. The game script was not in his favor. That could change this week. He'll see a lot of Bradley Roby, who allowed an 85% catch rate and a 121 passer rating in his coverage last week. So I like Jones more than I do Evans Mm. this week, assuming both play, which we are going to assume that as of right now. Russell Gage, questionable with a hamstring injury. Going to give him a C, though. Uh, Saw just two targets in week one, only ran 18 pass routes, but he should see a bump in those numbers with Godwin out. So I think he is startable in this one with the C. 
And uh, who is not startable are the tight ends. They're all on the bench unless Gronk somehow unretires before kickoff. Yeah, I think their tight ends had one catch in uh, in the last in last week's game. That's it. <sighs> yeah, it, it's uh, not a great matchup regardless. But yeah, you don't want to touch the tight ends on Tampa Bay. And then Tom Brady, you barely want to touch him. Uh, just to see for him, opposing quarterbacks averaged just 243 passing yards and 1.2 touchdowns against New Orleans last season. And the Bucks' offensive line is a major concern right now. The Saints have allowed a completion rate of just 34.6% when the opposing quarterback was under pressure since the 2020 season. That is the best in the NFL. So Brady's going to be under a lot of duress in this game. So just to see for him. And lastly, for the Bucks, another questionable player, Leonard Fournette, yeah. dealing with a hamstring injury. Assuming he's good to go, uh, you'll still want to monitor his status, of course, leading up to kickoff. But if he does play, do not like the matchup at all. The Saints defense allowed successful plays on rush attempts on just 33% of them last season. That's best in the NFL. And if you're wondering what it, wondering what a successful rush play is, it's basically four yards, at least four yards. And uh, It's situational. If it's fourth and one, a successful rush play is well, right. one yard. Yeah, I could get but more in the, the weeds idea. into no, it, we but no, we won't do that. Yeah. Um, over to the... New Orleans side, more questionable tags here, starting with Alvin Kamara, who did not practice on Friday with the rib injury. I'm just going to give him a C, even if he's good to go. Um, this is a bad matchup for Kamara. Uh, the Saints, or I'm sorry, the, the Bucks have a lot of troubling issues, but their run defense is not one of them. After stuffing Zeke last week, Jonathan Taylor is the only opposing running back to top 80 rushing yards against the Bucks over their last 13 games, and Kamara struggled mightily in his last game against Tampa Bay. That was last season, of course, totaling just 31 scoreless combo yards. And if Kamara somehow sits, Mark Ingram is the next guy up. But I don't even know if I'd start Ingram in this matchup. It's just oh, it's a brutal. The matchup. Bucks. You just don't want to yeah. start running backs yeah. against the Bucks unless they're an elite talent. Kamara um, didn't practice Thursday or Friday. That's, yeah, that's it's a not bad looking sign. good. <laughs> uh, Michael Thomas is practicing and is healthy as of right now. I saw a healthy eight targets in Week One. Average the third most points per drop back among wide receivers. He's in a pretty good spot against the Bucks who allowed the fourth most receptions to opposing wide receivers last season. That means I like the other two wide wideouts for the, the Saints, starting with Jarvis Landry. Going to give him a C. Quite the Saints debut. Uh, seven catches, 114 yards, including a 40-yard catch that was all air yards. That's more air yards than Jarvis Landry has seen in his Ever, entire I, career. I know, Come exactly. I, that's coming to earth. Hmm. Exactly. Were you wanting to say something? No. Your hand is raised. Okay. No. Uh, jokes aside, uh, Landry looks like a steal so far in reality and fantasy football, but he has a little tougher matchup against Tampa Bay slot quarter Antoine Winfield, probably the best corner on the team. Uh, Chris Olave, lastly, for the wide receiver, is going to give him a C. Led all Saints wide receivers in snaps last week, but only saw three targets. That said, he made the most of them, catching all three for 41 yards and a two-point conversion. Uh, just like the Bucks, you got all the tight ends on the bench for the Saints, but Jawan Johnson, a guy you want to keep an eye on. I think yeah. we'll talk about more, talk more about him later in the show. Liked him last year. And lastly, Jameis Winston, he's on the bench. I gave all the pass catchers like middling grades. It doesn't mean they're all going to come through. Going back to last year, Tampa Bay has held seven of its last 11 opposing quarterbacks to zero or one touchdowns. When we come back, take a chance on me. Nine players you can put in your starting lineup. Find out who they are. You may already have injury issues. You might have lineup deficiencies. We're ready to help you unearth some gems. Take a chance on me when we come back. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year 
equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got him. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Take a chance on me. Not nine, but ten players upon whom you can take a chance. Guys that are not normally in your starting lineup may be available on the waiver wire. We begin at the quarterback position. Scott, who is your take a chance on me quarterback? Sounds like we got a surprise coming. Ten players. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I'm going to add players now, too. Uh, <laughs> I'm going with Matt Ryan going against the Jags that just allowed Carson Wentz to finish the week as a top three quarterback and throw four touchdown passes. Who's he going to throw those to, I wonder? Ryan went for 352 yards and a touchdown last week in a, in a much more difficult matchup um, and was a couple drops away, actually two drops away from a 400-plus multi-touchdown touchdown day last yeah. week that would have been nice yeah uh let's go to brian you're take a chance on me quarterback 
I have good friend of the show, Davis Mills, at the Broncos this week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Last week, Geno Smith only threw for 195 yards against Denver, but that was only on 28 pass attempts, 23 of which went for completions. That's an 82% completion rate. And uh, Geno also threw for two touchdowns, no picks. So I like Mills this week. Going back to last season, the Broncos have allowed at least one touchdown pass in 14 of their last 15 games with multiple touchdown passes allowed in more than half of those games. I will continue to say Davis Mills. There is no player in fantasy football being more overlooked than Davis Mills. (laughs) At one point. Unrostered in most leagues. It will become offensive to use him as a take on. We're going to get to that at some point this season. I hope you're right. Uh, Trey Lance faces Seattle. I like him this week in a bounce back game. Seattle just played their Super Bowl. That was a nationally televised game against the quarterback who spurned them. They got an upset win, major letdown coming on the road for them. And all, you know, Lance obviously had the monsoon. He had one bad pick last week, but otherwise I thought he looked fine. And the running is is clearly present there. And I don't think George Kittle's going to go, but maybe gets George Kittle back. But even if he doesn't, it doesn't matter. Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk against the secondary of Sidney Jones and Justin Coleman and rookie Tariq Woolen, and then safety Jamal Adams is out. And his replacement, a guy named Josh Jones, allowed four of five passes to be completed in his coverage. It's all great for Trey Lance, and I think we're going to get the version of Lance that we wanted, the dual threat running and passing coming back this week. Let's go to the running back position. Scott, who is your take-a-chance-on-me runner? Yeah, so the Indianapolis Colts talked about this all offseason, putting Hines, Naheem Hines, that is, in the slot-wide receiver role along with his running back role. What happened week one? Hines ran 20 routes last week on 26 snaps, most of them out of the slot. The Jags were the third-worst team against the slot last week. Last year, they were ninth-worst. Mm. Hines caught all six of those targets for 50 yards last week, a role they'd talked about, and uh, I project that this week as well, a five-plus catch game and some extra running work, running back work. All right, I like it. Brian, you take a chance on me, runner. We're going to stick with the running back receiving angle and go with Tony Pollard at home against the Bengals, who were top five in the most catches and yards surrendered to running backs last season. Uh, Last week, Najee Harris caught a touchdown against Cincy, and let's be honest, it's quite plausible that Cooper Rush will be under constant pressure and looking to dump off to his running backs early and often in this game. Khalil Herbert's taking on Green Bay, and even though in last week's game, David Montgomery had Twice as many carries for half as much yards as Khalil Herbert. And, you know, I'm starting to, the eye test here is starting to lean towards Khalil Herbert as the better of the yeah. two running backs. Get this, Montgomery only averaged half a yard after contact per carry against San Francisco. That was second lowest among all running backs last week. The Packers' run defense Earned a PFF ranking of 27th last week. Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison rolled up 128 yards. Even though Montgomery will get the probably continue to get more, quite a bit more work than than Khalil Herbert, there might be enough there where Herbert becomes a plausible starter this week. Let's go to the receivers. Scott, you take a chance on me wide out. No, it's not going to be a wide out this time. It's oh, going to be a tight end, tight end oh, because right. people need tight end help, they Charge, and I am here help. for it. Uh, I'm going with Evan Ingram. I know, I know, it's kind of gross, but Evan Ingram, uh, he played 71% of the snaps and was the only tight end in that offense to see any targets last week. His opponent, the Colts, were the fourth worst against tight ends last year, allowing the third most receptions and third most yards. The Colts continued that trend just last week, allowing O.J. Howard to somehow score twice on just six routes he ran. Uh, Shaq Leonard is also out yet again. Uh, 
uh, making things a little bit easier in the middle of the field for Evan Ingram. Brian, you're taking a chance with me wide out, a presumed wide out. I'm going wide out, and uh, I'm going to go wide out that everyone seems to have forgotten about, and that's Buffalo's, Buffalo's Jamison Crowder at home against the Titans. Yes, Isaiah McKenzie scored the slot touchdown for the Bills last week, but Crowder had more targets, catches, and yards than McKenzie. Mm. And looking at the matchup, Tennessee was the worst team in defending the slot last season, and these stats come courtesy of Scott Fish. Kind enough to give them to me. The Titans gave up the most PPR points to the slot last year. 65% of the points they surrendered to wide receivers were to slot wide receivers. And 21 or 13 of the 21 touchdowns surrendered to wide receivers went to slot receivers. Wait, can I start McKenzie and Crowder? You can, but I like Crowder more as the take on. Everyone's going to start McKenzie, basically. He'll get a C later on. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. And real quick, these teams met last year. Yeah. Cole Beasley had seven catches for 88 yards and a touchdown, and Manny Sanders had five catches for 91 yards. They don't don't even even cover the slot. But don't don't leave Jamison Crowder unstarted. Speaking of slot receivers, in a plot twist too bizarre for even Hollywood, Paris Campbell is the one healthy remaining receiver for Indianapolis. <laughs> Alec Pierce is out. Uh, it, Michael Pittman didn't practice all week. He's presumed out. And Paris Hilton faces a Jacksonville secondary that just allowed four touchdowns to the modest commander's passing attack, as Scott alluded to earlier. Jaguars slot cornerback is a guy named Darius Williams. Pro football focuses bottom-ranked cornerback from last week, ranking as cornerback 117 last week, allowing five of six passes in his coverage to be completed. Paris Campbell, take a chance on me. But wait, you may have added up a total of nine. Take a chance on me, players. And I promise ten. Scott, do people need tight end sleepers? They do. They How do. about Tyler Higby? Oh, boy. Shockingly, Higby emerged from week one as the leader in targets among all tight ends with 11. Something I think most of us would not have guessed. Just need him to catch more this year. That, this would, week. Be, that would be better to catch more. He's only caught like four or five out of the yeah. 11. Um, it looks like if Allen Robinson is going to continue to be a fringe contributor for the Rams offense, Fan Jefferson's out for this game. Yep. This could be another very impactful spot for Tyler Higby up against Atlanta. Falcons allowed the anonymous tight end, Juwan Johnson, to roll up 43 yards, suggesting a far better tight end. Tyler Higby can improve on that performance a lot. And last year, Atlanta allowed the fourth most tight end scores. So a little a double. A double header. A double dip from charge. Uh, take a chance on me. Paris Campbell, Tyler Higby. Uh let's return to the uh, let's return to the matchups. And oh, you know what? I'm up next. Commanders taking on Detroit. Let's begin with Antonio Gibson. For all of our worries in the preseason, Gibson basically shut us all up. He showed explosiveness. He ran for uh, 10 or more yards on a third of his attempts against Jacksonville. Topped it off with a career-high seven receptions for 72 yards. Detroit uh, allowed Philadelphia to drive the ball on them all game long. Four different Eagles scored rushing touchdowns. They ran for over 200 yards on 39 combined carries. That was five and a half yards per attempt, and the Lions only held opposing running backs under 90 yards four times in the last 24 games. So we like Antonio Gibson with an A grade oh boy. this week. I'm putting McKissick on the bench because McKissick thrives on negative game scripts, something that Washington generally has but did not have last week and probably will not have this week as well. Detroit, I don't see the big deficit coming against Detroit. It's possible, but I don't see it coming here. So we're going to keep J.D. McKissick 
on the bench and wait for an opportunity for the commanders to get blown out. Instead. You love putting McKissick on the bench. It gives you great joy. I, I do. For some, <laughs> for some reason, I do. I admit it. J.D. Mick, suck it. Uh, let's go to Washington, where Terry McLaurin gets a B grade. It remains a terrific option for Wentz. And operating on the outside, he's got a very favorable matchup against Jeff Okuda anytime he lines up on the right side of the field. Okuda's trying to salvage his young career after a variety of injuries have really, unfortunately, uh, put his career in peril. Last week, Okuda allowed four of five targets in his coverage to be completed. I like Terry McLaurin. Curtis Samuel came out of the gates with a really strong game early in the first half. But then he didn't go back to him as much as they thought they should, and I thought he looked great. Um, he looked like his slippery 2020 version when Curtis Samuel was a very viable fantasy producer. He'll go up in the slide against Mike Hughes, now in his third team in three years. Hughes was only targeted one time last week, but he did allow that catch, and then he allowed 25 yards after that catch. So we'll try Curtis Samuel here with a C grade as well. And Logan Thomas, six targets in his first game back from ACL. Great news for him, and a savvy waiver wire pickup for anybody struggling at tight end, by the way. Uh, Last year, the Lions gave up the second most yards to tight ends and then promptly gave up 60 yards to Dallas Goddard last week. I like Logan Thomas here. C grade on him. And that leaves us with Carson Wentz. If I like his receivers, McLaurin, Samuel, Thomas, all starting grades there, I've got a B grade on him. He flung it 41 times last week, and even though there were some mistakes, he had two pretty ugly interceptions, the commander's passing attack looked pretty refreshed this year. So I'm I'm giving him a B grade for Carson Wentz. And let's go over to the Lions side on this. Beginning with the running game, you're going to have to monitor DeAndre Swift. He's got an ankle injury. He swears he's going to play, but... Running backs and ankle injuries, no bueno. You need to be careful here. Cutting is a huge part of his game. Look at Barkley last year. Yeah, great example. Um, Oh, Barkley had the high ankle sprain. We can just, you know, we can, we don't have any reason to believe that's the case for Swift, who probably would not be playing, but show a little bit more caution here. And I've downgraded him to a B grade despite the phenomenal game he had last week, posting 144 rushing yards. Um, Had, by the way, five yards of 10 or more. Washington allowed 5.4 yards per carry between the tackles last week, and they may may be without defensive linemen Jonathan Allen and Fidarian Mathis due to injury. So we're going to keep a B grade on DeAndre Swift, and we're going to keep watching this goal line situation because last week Jamal Williams turned two goal line carries into two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're the coaching staff of the Lions, you're going, well, he converted those carries to touchdowns. We're going to keep doing this. And with Swift Gimpy, Williams could see an uptick in usage and will probably continue to get goal line use. So we'll have a C grade on Jamal Williams in this grade, a game, and we'll upgrade him to a B if it turns out that DeAndre Swift does not go. Let's go to the receivers for the Lions. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Saw a career-high 12 targets last week, which pretty much vaporized the narrative that he got all those targets last year because everybody else was hurt. Um Washington's defense allowed an average depth of target of 8.6 yards per uh, reception last season. That was third most. I'm on Ross St. Brown will face Ben St. Juiced in the slot. He's unguardable anyway. uh, Well, he kind of is. Uh, He (laughs) ranks his cornerback 99 uh, by pro football focus through one week. So a strong advantage to Amon Ross St. Brown with an A grade. DJ Chark saw a whopping eight targets and looked Mm -hmm. like a legit deep ball threat. Last week, the Commanders gave Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore an average of almost eight yards of cushion, second worst of any receiver tandem. Big play possibilities here for DJ Chark with a B grade in this game. 
And if I like it, if I had A and B grades on the receivers, I got to put a B grade on Jared Goff. Played a solid game last week. Almost rallied his team to a massive come-from-behind win and put up plenty of points in that game. And I like his receivers, so I like Goff as well. TJ Hawkinson, C grade. He's seen seven or more targets in nine of his last 13 healthy games. And he's averaged over 60 yards per game when he gets that kind of volume. Hopefully that holds here. Washington gives up seven targets per game to tight ends and did last year. Uh, eighth most yards as well. So the op- opportunity should be there for Hawkinson. Just need to see more overall productivity before we put a stronger grade than a C. All right, our next matchup and final matchup of this segment. Jets taking on the Browns, Scott. For New York, they threw the ball 59 times last yeah. week. Yeah, that's that's, that's not going to happen. Not, that should not ever happen. That's <laughs> no, not good. no, Flacco hasn't thrown it more than 44 times in like four years. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not going to happen. I do think this is going to be a high-volume passing offense this year. I think they'll have negative game scripts a lot. No, mm-hmm. that, that will be a thing. But no, the Browns allowed 33 attempts per game to quarterbacks last year, 27 in the opener to Mayfield. Yeah. I think you're looking more at that. And, and that goes for the wide receiver. When you look at those guys, Corey Davis and Garrett Wilson, what they did in week one, right. don't live off week one stats because you're getting 20 extra pass attempts that you're not going to see most weeks, 15 to 20. Uh, I actually do have Davis and Wilson on the bench in this one. Um, I, I need to see it more out of them and see their role with Flacco when Flacco's not spreading. It, that's the, the other problem when Flacco's not spreading it around. Seven different players tallied seven or more targets. Yeah. Uh, the only guy. I truly, truly trust in this, which is a, to- a, a a really good matchup, a really tough matchup against a Browns team that was top 10 in a lot of categories last year. They only allowed 16 wide receiver touchdowns over 17 weeks last year. They a- just awesome stat. And, and and even last even last week, the one touchdown they allowed was a 75 yard broken coverage play, right? Uh, so <laughs> they did not allow a lot. I do am giving uh, Elijah Moore the C grade, though. He's going to line up on the opposite side of Denzel Ward for most of the game against rookie Martin Anderson. If he does that, he gets a C grade. You you can, you know, factor in that Ward blew a, a 50-yard play to Ian Thomas last week. He did blow a coverage last week. He's not the Denzel Ward of three years ago, but uh, I, I have a C grade on Moore. Bench grades on Davison Wilson. Bench grade on Flacco. Bench grade on Tyler Coughlin. His, his results last week were very, very, uh, you know, volume based. He's yeah. going to need a touchdown to score in the running game. This is where it gets, it gets tricky sometimes uh, with these two this year. It's going to be tricky all year. I think we're looking at the next Jones, Dylan, Gordon, Javante type of situation here with Carter and Brees Hall. Carter was the starter and the main back. And they said that going, going in, uh, they're both. They both seem like they're going to be start worthy in spots this week. Nineteen yes. of the fifty-nine Flacco targets went to running backs, which yeah, is like that. really nice to see. Mm-hmm. But Carter was clearly the one a higher snaps, uh, better usage. Uh, Hall saw the only running back touch inside the ten. Uh, he saw the two-minute work um, against a Browns team that held McCaffrey in check. Though Carter's only going to get a C grade for me, and because Hall is the one B and only had. 12, 12 touches in a game where they ran 84 offensive plays. Just so you know, they they averaged 69 plays a game last year. He only got 12 touches last week. I have him on the bench. 
Over on the other side, you're not starting Jacoby Brissett. He was no, I, barely, thought he, I thought he looked dreadful. He honestly. looked he looked absolutely terrible. Jets Jets are a great matchup. You know, they're bottom twelve, allowing the twenty five percent more yards than than <laughs> than most of the teams in the league. But uh he should be on the bench. Uh Peoples Jones and Cooper. I have C grades on them. I think they're the only really two startable wide receivers on this team and well, barely. Sure. Uh, Peoples-Jones led the team in routes run, targets, yards, all while being shadowed by Dante Johnson. And if you remember back to last year, we talked about this. Teams CB1s were shadowing and covering Donovan Peoples-Jones over Landry like he was the one. Yeah. And this year they're doing it again with Cooper. Uh, they're 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 on Peoples-Jones as if he's the one. Uh, so Cooper, I'm giving the C grade. He was second most targeted, didn't do a lot, but he might see the second DB in this. Peoples-Jones seems to have a vibe with Brissett, and he's getting the volume. I do have a C grade there in a, in a game, in a decent matchup uh, for wide receivers against the Jets. Najoku, I have a, on the bench. The Jets allowed a 5-for-52 day to Andrews, which is okay. Njoku's day was terrible, and Brissett cannot support three different pass uh, catchers. No. I, I was hesitant even giving two C-grades in that receiving core. Yeah, I don't blame you. That's... And for Chubb and Hunt, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Last year when together, Chubb averaged 20 touches per game, Hunt 15 per game, Stefanski giving his running backs 30-35. to 35. Wait, this is what I said last week, and it's the same exact thing this week. A grade for Chubb, B grade for Hunt, because he gets all the pass game work. Yes. Uh, Kareem got the two touchdowns last week, but it could just as easily be... Uh, just easily Nick Chubb this week for sure. And a good matchup against the Jets that were last against running backs last year. Yeah, that's a, it's a juicy matchup, no yeah. doubt about it. Love both guys this week. You already know how guillotine leagues work. 17 teams left. Start At this point, you can start a new league with 17 teams. There's 17 weeks left in the season. Low-scoring team gets cut every week. Players go to the waiver wire. It's pandemonium. We had, um, in one of my leagues, Jonathan Taylor got cut. And how much how much fab do you put on him? One guy put his entire year's budget on Jonathan Taylor. He's going to learn his dollars. lessons the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is a week seven out right there. Exactly, exactly. See you next year. Uh, we'll be back next segment, Fantasy Football Weekly, coming up next. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. 
If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Cherchi and Scott Fish and Brian Johnson with you. Our next matchup is the Patriots at the Steelers. Brian, the Patriots offense looked bad last week. We'll talk a little bit more about this later in the show, but your thoughts on this particular matchup against the Steelers? Yeah, this one feels all about the running game for New England, so I'll give Damian Harris Harris a B here. The, law, the season-ending loss of Ty Montgomery bodes well for Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, but as of right now, Harris looks like the lead back uh, yet again. He managed 5.3 yards per carry last week compared to the 3.1 for Stevenson. Harris was also targeted twice in the red zone, and last year Pittsburgh allowed the second-most rushing yards after contact per attempt, and this week they will be without T.J. Watt up front, so I like Harris with the B. I will still give Ramondre Stevenson a C, not giving up on him just yet. He should still see around 12 to 15 opportunities in this game. And again, this feels like a game where New England is just going to lean heavily on their running backs. For that reason, I have Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar, Devontae Parker, and Kedrick Bourne all on the bench. Uh, Not one single one of them scored double-digit PPR points last week, so not touching the wide receivers for New England this week. And not touching the tight ends, although they are led by Jonu Smith and not Hunter Henry yes, now. Yes, baby, finally. <laughs> but they're both on the bench. It's a bad matchup. The Steelers have allowed a tight end touchdown in just three of their last 18 games. Mm. And I hate the pass catchers a lot, so I clearly hate Mac Jones in this matchup. He's right. on the bench as well. Over to the Pittsburgh side, Najee Harris looks like he'll play with the, the foot injury he's dealing with. He returned to practice in full on Thursday, but just to see for him, Miami running backs total just 107 combo yards against New England last week and were held to under 2.5 yards per carry. So just a C for Najee Harris. Jalen Warren would have been interesting if Harris is out. He's on the bench, but a guy I am stashing anywhere I can. I recommend you do the same. Uh, Over to the wide receivers for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, you give him a B. If you didn't see the one-handed sideline catch he made last week, go ask Jeeves about that right now because it's (laughs) it's worth a watch. Um, (laughs) I'm glad you guys got that one. We're we're old enough to know who, who Jeeves is. A lot of people probably don't. Anyways, Johnson resumed his hogging of targets in week one as his 12 targets were more than every other Pittsburgh wide receiver combined. So I love Deontay in this one with a B. Uh, I kind of like Chase Claypool, so I'll give him a C. He was second among Pittsburgh wide receivers with six targets, but he only turned them into four catches for 18 scoreless yards. But he had six carries, equal amount of carries to yards for 36 yards. So very interesting usage, and he played almost entirely from the slot which means he's likely to see a lot of New England slot corner Miles Bryant, who checks in at five foot nine and 185 pounds. That's it. So a little bit of a mismatch for uh, Bryant up against Claypool. Claypool mm-hmm. should exploit that matchup. George Pickens, uh, the preseason darling. act. Wow. Yeah. One, one catch for three yards on three targets. He's on the bench right now until uh, he proves he can produce in the regular season. And Pat Firemuth, close to the bench, but I'm going to give him a C. He led Pittsburgh in receiving yards and was second on the team with 10 targets last week, but a tough matchup here. Last year, New England allowed the fewest receptions and yards to tight ends, just 2.7 catches and 26 yards per game. That trend continued in yeah, week Gisecki one. did nothing. Yeah, yeah and uh, Hunter Long, neither. The Miami tight ends combined for two catches or 15 yards mm-hmm. against New England last week, so just a, a very soft C for Frymuth. And Mitch Trubisky 
was almost my take a chance on me quarterback, but not yet this week. He's on the bench. Can't do it. Dolphins take on the Ravens. Uh, obvious A grades for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle with strong week one performances. And that brings us to Tua. Tungo Vailoa. I loved the start of the year for him, getting the ball to his playmakers, Hill and Waddle. That's all he's got to do. He goes up against the Ravens last year, one of only five teams to allow more than 30 passing touchdowns. And to address that issue, Baltimore signed cornerback Kyle Fuller in the offseason, and he promptly tore his ACL. So now they're getting Marcus Peters possibly back for this game. But if he starts, it's going to be his first game since the end of the 2020 season. And the other cornerback, Marlon Humphrey, has got a groin injury. It's all good for the Miami passing game. I've got a B grade on Tua, Tungo Vailoa, and a B grade on Chase Edmonds. I know the matchup against Baltimore doesn't feel great on paper, but the Jets' backs just ripped the Ravens for 161 total yards, and the Ravens ranked 30th in run defense by pro football focus through one week. Edmonds saw 63% of the running back snaps for Miami last week. He barely managed two yards per carry on the ground, which was not good, and so the efficiency was not there, but the opportunity to get better definitely is, and he could catch the ball a fair amount. Ravens just allowed the Jets' backs to catch 13 passes on 19 targets in that game. So I like Chase Edmonds as a dual threat and a B grade. Over to the Baltimore side, Mark Andrews, obvious A. Let's go to the other receivers. Rashad Bateman, great to see the 55-yard touchdown. But other than that catch, Bateman had one catch for four yards. That's it. Yeah. Volume figures to be an ongoing worry for the Ravens receivers in a run-heavy offense. Bateman likely draws the Dolphins' best coverage uh, corner, Xavier Howard, who travels with number ones. Howard is not allowed to touch down his coverage since week eight of last year. I've got just a C grade on Rashad Bateman. Devin Duvernay scored twice last week, emerges as a waiver wire darling this week with Xavier uh, Howard on Bateman. That puts Neek, excuse me, Nick Needham on Duvernay, and that is a positive matchup. Needham is a middling coverage corner who ranked his pro football focuses. 44th best cornerback last year. So I like Devin Duvernay enough to get him a C grade on this one. And uh, for Lamar Jackson, if you blend in the Mark Andrews, a couple of C's for his receivers, I've got a B on Jackson dolphins held uh, Mac Jones in check last week, but Lamar Jackson, obviously totally different beast. Um, that's it. Miami's got a pretty solid pass defense, top six and passing touchdowns allowed last year. They blanked the Patriots last week. Um, Jackson faced the dolphins last year. 238 passing yards and one touchdown, and he only ran for 39 yards. That wasn't great. It was just okay. So that's the B grade on Lamar Jackson. And uh, for the running backs, I got them all on the bench. J.K. Dobbins expected to make his first uh, appearance in over a year, but I, I got to figure he gets the modest workload in his first game back off the ACL. Six touches, guys, eight touches for mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins. Well, this is a, like his that. pro debut, if I'm not mistaken, right? Dobbins? J.K. Dobbins? No. Yeah. Didn't no. he get injured in preseason last year? My yeah, bad. But he no, but he's played. That. Yeah. This oh. is his rookie year. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. that far back in time. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Miami's run defense looked good in week one. They held uh, Damian Harris to 48 yards and Ramondre Stevenson to 25. So I don't I don't like Dobbins. And all the other runners looked terrible last week. So they're all, they are all out. Let's go to our final matchup of this segment. Panthers taking on the Giants, Scott. Yeah, so I have an obvious A grade on Christian McCaffrey. You might say, why is it obvious that he wasn't that great last week? He had to be saved by a touchdown with literally eight seconds left in oh, the fourth geez. quarter. Uh, but, but it was one of the tougher RB matchups of the weekend. And McCaffrey still scored, still got it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was uh, th- this week you can look for him to get a combination of what Derrick Henry and Hilliard did against the Giants. Hilliard destroyed them through the pass game. He, he <laughs> and, uh, you know, Henry had a decent amount of rushing yards. I think that this is a 50-plus rushing, 50-plus receiving game for McCaffrey. At minimum, probably some scores, A grade on McCaffrey. In the passing game, I only have one starting ga- grade here. Uh, Baker Mayfield's on the bench. If it weren't for those two blown coverages we we talked about, his day would have been 110 yards and no touchdowns and interception. Yeah, uh, he barely threw a 50% completion rate. Robbie Anderson, 100 yards, 102 yards, 75 on the blown play. He he topped 50 yards three times last year. Yeah, DJ Moore is where I'm giving the C grade. I still trust him. I'm still going to believe in even though Week One was lackluster. He'll get a Dory Jackson shadow treatment who took Robert Woods out last week, but he should get the volume uh, in this one to find enough opportunity to get a C grade on the other side. The only grade I have is Saquon Barkley with an A grade. Yeah. He's, he's back to matchup proof life. He, he had a couple of years ago. He had 24 touches, uh, but a big deal was six catches. He came back in the, in the passing game. The Panthers just let Kareem hunt loose in the yeah. receiving game. That's going to be all Barkley in this one. Um, it's a tougher matchup than last week was, or it's a slightly tougher matchup than last week was, but Chubb and Hunt did it, so I think Barkley can. With uh, Daniel Jones, Sterling Shepard, 65 of Shepard's 71 yards. We're on that blown coverage 65-yarder you mentioned earlier. Uh, Daniel Jones, you're not starting Daniel Jones against the top five Panthers defense. Uh, no, no one's doing uh, that. No, uh-uh. definitely that's, not. No, that's, out of here. No, that's ridiculous. Um, we've got about one minute left. Let me ask you this. Well, why don't we just fire up the peacock? For me, saying Saquon Barkley finishes the season as RB1. Is it too early? It's way too early. I just jinxed it's it. It's a premature peacock. Shut it up. Okay. Uh, it's very That's premature. Right. Premature peacocking. We'll, we'll, we're willing to do that around premature here. Premature peacocculation. Let me, let me ask this about the uh, the Thursday night game. Patrick Mahomes has now completed passes in both games to 10 different receivers. Do you believe that that's going to be an ongoing tread that he's just spreads the ball around so thinly? He literally that said that's Kelsey. what he was going to do before the season too. He did, but he we're used to players all day long. He also said the sky's the limit, referring to Sky Moore, who played zero snaps. <laughs> I don't even know if he's a real person. I know at this point. I know Sky. Well, he's playing special teams. That's it. Justin nope. Herbert, by the way, rib fracture. Yeah, yeah that's big bad. Well, rib cartilage fracture. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. look. And you know what? Those that you get if you get the broken rib, that's your season. You got to yeah. play with that all year. Oh, he's that's wearing the flak jacket. Oh, for, for the sure. rest of the season, yeah, absolutely. Uh, when we come back to our number two, Fantasy Football Weekly, we will answer three tough questions. You can play along with our panel of experts. You can also find all of my player rankings available for free at guillotineleagues.com. And you can even continue to join a guillotine league, a fresh, brand new guillotine league. Again, you know how it works. Each week, the bottom scoring team gets cut. Everybody else feasts on that team's roster in the waiver wire. Tons of fun. We encourage you to try out guillotineleagues.com. Our number two, Fantasy Football Weekly, coming up next. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome back. Hour number two, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchi and Scott Fish and Brian Johnson with you. We encourage you to follow us on Twitter, at Paul Charchian, at ScottFish24, and at BTXJ, respectively. This is a game we call Three Tough Questions. Tough question number one. What is the appropriate level of panic for New England running back Ramondre Stevenson? Is it none, some, or a bowel loosening level of existential dread. Scott. Yeah, so this is the part where I apologize to the listeners <laughs> for being so in on Ramondre Stevenson and you guys. Uh, I, I thought he'd get all the pass catching work. Ty Montgomery, I thought, would be out longer. He came back. But the bad thing is, I went to Canton for Fantasy Football Expo, Expo went back and forth from the airport with a, a Patriots guy that knows people there. And he said, the offense is going to be anemic. They changed to a zone running and an outside zone running scheme, and they're running into the line, and it is going to be bad. A week later, I go on Christopher Harris's show, ESPN guy, Patriots fan, connections with the Pats, told me the same thing. Uh, but I refused to believe didn't, didn't work with all the inside yeah. info because yeah. I'm like, no, he, they're talking to me. He's, he's going to be the pass catcher. I screwed up. I did not take that in. They were all right by week one account. They were all right. That offense is not going to move, and they are going to run. And Ramondre only had 33% of snaps. I'm I'm a little bit of – I think it's blowed here until Bill Belichick figures it out. You So you're going with bowel loosening level yes. of existential dread. I think I just right. have to trust Scott here. And his, and his insiders. Yeah, the only – my New England insiders are a bunch of drunk idiots who just think, <laughs> they think they're part of the, the, the Patriots organization. They were avoiding all Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, okay, I'm blowed. I'm I'm blowed now. Same I thing. was gonna say some, but I'm convinced I'm blowed. Uh, the correct answer is some. On the positive side, Ty Montgomery's out, and that's yes. a big consideration here. Stevenson figures to get more pass catching work, and I think this this offense is gonna be playing from behind a lot. Montgomery had almost twice as many snaps as Stevenson did last week, but now he's out of the he's out of the picture for, for four at weeks. least a month. Yeah. Uh, the bigger issue here, though, Patriots offense just looks bad. They only had 57 plays last week, only 271 yards of offense. That was fourth worst behind offenses led by Geno Smith, Cooper Rush, and a team that played in a monsoon, and yeah. not even both of the teams that played in a yeah. monsoon. You got to have faith that Bill Belichick turns it around. He figures it out. We got to hope that the bounce back starts this week, right? They play Pittsburgh, a team Joe Mixon just ran through. Right. And getting Stevenson up, getting Stevenson going, he's arguably their most explosive playmaker they've got on the whole team. Well, that and Jonu Smith. 
Oh, and by the way, don't sell Ramanje on the on the dip here. Keep him. Yeah, we don't like to sell talented players low. Tough yep. question number two. What is the appropriate level of panic on Dallas wide receiver C.D. Lamb? Is it none, some, or a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? We begin this time with Brian Johnson. Oh, you got to be blowed on C.D. Lamb based on his preseason ADP and, and the expectations that we had for him basically as a top-five wide receiver. Um, and it's not his fault. It's... It's the circumstances that now surround him. Uh, of course, Dak Prescott, he's going to miss more time than Jerry Jones is hinting at. It's going to be six to eight weeks. Uh, the offensive line, kind of a wreck. And th- he's just got no help at receiver other than his tight end, Dalton Schultz. I just think defenses are going to be keyed in on him, when, when Dak, even when Dak comes back. But he's got Cooper, Cooper Rush for the next six weeks, so... It's going to be a very slow start, a very slow middle for C.D. Lamb. So based on where he was going and our expectations we had, I'm blowed. You're blowed. All right, Scott, for C.D. Lamb, what's the appropriate level of panic? Yeah, I man, I'm I'm still on the Patriots. They only ran two two <laughs> personnel groupings last week. That is ridiculous. Two group All right, personnel okay, groupings. Okay, listen, since anyway, we're sidetracking ourselves uh, back to C.D. Lamb. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. We're going to sidetrack back to the Patriots. Yes. The problem is their head coach. It's schematic. He is, he thinks that he's, the hubris is so high with Bill Belichick, probably the best coach in the history of the game. And not a great GM. But he's a, he is the de facto head coach. Well, he is the head coach. De facto general manager, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator. No one person can do all these things well. And he's trying to do it all, and he can't. And it's this, the mistake he's making is thinking that he's so much better that he doesn't need any help around him and that he's Mm -hmm. so much smarter than everybody else. That's the problem with the Patriots right now. Yep. Back to the question at hand. The appropriate level of panic on CeeDee Lamb. Scott. I have some on this one. Last time Prescott missed extended time, the Cowboys still averaged about 36 pass attempts per game, and that was with uh, Dalton and Danucci. Sounds like oh, a, yeah, a right. 70s band or something. Ben Dalton Danucci. and, Dene- and Danucci. I think I think uh, it sounds like a pasta. But but the, <laughs> the O line was light years better. Honestly, I could bring the panic line down to blow it on this one. But it is CD Lamb. I do like the 11 target, 11, 12 targets he got with the two catches. Yeah, and I think that's I think he's going to get major volume a lot of these weeks as they fight to stay in it. Um, and if it's only four to six weeks. I mean, we're still looking at maybe eight weeks to end the season of Prescott. That that might still be the case. So I'm only some at the moment. The major volume in Dallas is just going to be the booze that are going to be raining down. <laughs> the, field the correct answer for the appropriate level of panic on Dallas wide receiver C.D. Lamb is a bowel loosening level of existential Man, dread. Terrible today. The left tackle Tyron Smith is out. Left guard Connor McGovern is hurt. The rush is going to get to the Dallas quarterback whose name is Rush. I mean, talk about metaphysically tipping mm. your hand. He is going to get destroyed back there. And the re- as you mentioned, the other receivers are so anonymous. I watched that entire Dallas game, and the only guy I can even remember is the guy who was ironically called Houston playing in Dallas. There's <laughs> nobody else to catch a pass in Dallas. They're going to take – defenses are going to take away C.D. Lamb, just like Tampa did last week, and make Cooper Rush win throwing – to something called Houston playing in Dallas. Tough question number three. What is the appropriate level of panic for Houston running back Damian Pierce? Is it none, some, or a bowel-loosening level of existential dread? 
Scott? This one is some. They want they want uh, Damian Pierce to get more involved this week, but the problem is Burkhead appears to be soaking up all that pass game work that we kind of half expected but really hoped against. Um, the level of panic is really based on where you got him. If you got him as your RB3 like almost all of us did, you know, before the last week or so of the preseason, you're fine. You're just, you're just a little frustrated. But those people who grabbed him as RB2, they might feel blowed, but it's really just some. It's some. All right. Brian, what is the appropriate level of concern for Houston running back Damian Pierce? Yeah, I, I'm at some, too. Last week, Burkhead saw over 70% of the snaps, uh, was only one of three running backs with more than 10 carries and more than seven targets. Uh, but there's no way in hell Burkhead becomes a bell cow running back this year. <laughs> He's 32 years old. He's only topped 70 rush attempts in his season once. That was last year when he had 122 yards. He averaged 3.5 yards per carry then. At some point, he's going to break down or get hurt. I, I hate to say it, but it's happened throughout his career. Um, he's never started more than five games. I mean, look at his career starts. 5-0-1-4-3-1. No. Damian Pierce will be okay. Don't freak out too much. Uh, the correct answer is none. And that's not just confirmation bias because we love Damian <laughs> Pierce all preseason. And we talked about him a million times. It's for all the reasons you mentioned. No chance 32-year-old Rex Burkhead holds the strangle the stranglehold on that job for very long. Damian Pierce will eclipse him. It's just a matter of when. Granted, the timeline's a little longer than we thought it was going to be. The only reason I had some. It's going to be a slow start. It's going to be a slower start. It's going to take us a little longer than we thought it was going to, unfortunately. And I, I wish it weren't that way, but the reality is it is. And we're just going to we're just gonna deal with that. Uh let's go to our next matchup. Bengals taking on the Cowboys, Brian. I got to believe the Bengals, uh, Joe Burrow, is not going to have five turnovers in one game. Yeah, I would hope not. Or get sacked seven times like he did uh, last mm -hmm. week against um, Pittsburgh. So we'll start with Burrow, give him a B. Um, it sounds like T. Higgins will play in this game. Should clear concussion protocol. That helps Burrow's uh, prospects this week. I'm, the, my main concern is this feels like a game where the Bengals just dominate and aren't forced to throw a ton. So we'll run through his receivers real quick. Uh, Jamar Chase gets an A. We'll likely see a lot of Trayvon Diggs in coverage, who is a very good cornerback. But uh, Mike Evans, the very comparable Mike Evans, had a touchdown and 71 yards against Diggs last week. So an A for Chase. T. Higgins just mentioned him. Sounds like he'll go. Give him a B here. He should see a lot of coverage from Anthony Brown, who surrendered six receiving touchdowns last year. That is a fair amount. Uh, but Tyler Boyd, I got to put him on the bench. Only saw a 13% target share last week, and that was with T. Higgins out for most of the game. Um, Boyd will – this feels like a game where the Bengals aren't going to throw a ton. So Boyd not seeing a ton of snaps last week. I don't think that he's a, a main, main factor in this game. So he's on the bench. Uh, Hayden Hurst is not, though. Going to give him a C. Hurst ran 51 pass routes last week, which is a lot. In fact, it was the fifth most among all players, not just tight ends. Jeez. But it's it's kind of a tough matchup on paper. Last season, only five tight ends gained more than 50, yard, 50 yards against the Cowboys, and none reached the 100-yard mark, so just a C for Hurst. And lastly, Joe Mixon, he gets an A. Despite trailing pretty much the entire game last week against Pittsburgh, Mixon saw 34 touches, a career high. Granted, that game went to overtime, but I would be shocked the Bengals trail in this game, so game script should be in Mixon's favor here. He gets the A. Uh, over to the Dallas side, definitely no A's here, uh, starting with Ezekiel Elliott, just a C for him. In 11 career games that Dak has missed with injury, Zeke averaged a measly 3.8 yards per carry and only scored twice in those 11 games. The Bengals have been stout against the run for quite some time, only allowing four running backs to top 80 yards over their last 
22 games. Mm. So rough spot for Zeke. I do like Tony Pollard, though, well, with, with the receiving angle. That's why he was my take a chance on me running back. And the aforementioned C.D. Lamb, just a C for him. It's more like cassette tape lamb at this point. Um, he <laughs> saw track lamb. <laughs> he saw 11 targets last week, only hey, caught the two. That's real gross. Real uh, <laughs> he also uh, has Cooper Rush as his quarterback now. That's more gross. Lamb will see Mike Hilton when lined up in the slot and a combination of Eli Apple and Shadobe Awuze on the edges. Those three corners have combined to allow just one touchdown over their last six games played together. And it's really just, we'll factor Eli Apple out of that because he's not very good. But anyway, back to uh, the other wide receivers. It's really Noah Brown who's wide receiver too, but he's on the bench despite seeing nine targets in week one that resulted in five catches for 68 yards. I just can't give him a starting grade. I will give Dalton Schultz a B though, despite Cooper Rush as his quarterback on paper. A great matchup for Schultz who ran the second most pass routes for Dallas in week one. Last season, the Bengals were top five in the most catches, yards, and touchdowns allowed to tight ends. Last week, they surrendered five catches for 75 yards to Pat Firemuth, who was also tackled on the one-yard line, almost scored a touchdown. So I do like Schultz this week. And I, Cooper Rush, can I just get the bench grade out of the way? Of course. You don't have to explain Bench him this week. No, but I want to... We just get future him out. Future weeks. Future weeks. Yes. Always on the bench, Cooper right. Rush. Sorry. Well, what if he plays the 2021 Vikings again? Fair. Fair point. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks take on the 49ers. This is going to be quick. Light rain in the forecast again, by the way. Let me mention that. So the 49ers could go from a, a monsoon to another rain game, but nothing like last week's game. And I already mentioned my bias in this is that Seattle just played their Super Bowl. They're going to hit the road here and have a huge letdown game coming, and you'll hear that in my grades, I believe. We start with Rashad Penny, who handled every Seahawks carry but one, averaged five yards per carry against a stout Denver front seven last week. He was also active in the passing game. He saw all three of Geno Smith's running back targets here. Uh, 49ers completely bottled up David Montgomery in the monsoon, uh, but Penny's a tougher tackler. Uh, averaged 3.5 yards after contact going back to last year. The NFL's best over that stretch. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a B grade, and I'm barely giving a B grade to DK Metcalf because get this, for as you know, the big body guy that he is, just 4.6 air yards on his targets last week, which is a criminal misuse of Metcalf's body type and talent. Hopefully they'll air the ball out a little bit more in this one. Uh, Metcalf has topped four receptions and 60 yards in five of six attempts against the Niners, and he clearly is the preferred target for Geno Smith. So I've got a B grade on him. C grade on uh, on Tyler Lockett. All of our fears are realized with Lockett last week. Geno Smith did not look Lockett's way at all last year when he started. He didn't look his, his way at all last week when he started either. And the short passes that Geno Smith is throwing are the antithesis of what Tyler Lockett is all about. I think I may have mispronounced that. But I don't think. No, that was correct. Antithesis right. is correct. Antithesis. Okay, uh, Geno Smith indisputably looked in command of that offense last week. Loved a lot of what we saw there. But again, throwing all mostly entirely dink and dunk under uh, short stuff. He, uh, he scored touchdowns in each of his four starts going back to last year and two touchdowns in back-to-back starts. Uh, last two starts, he's thrown 51 passes and just nine incompletions. Just nine incompletions. Nine times. That's against 51 nine passes. Times. So it's all just safe work for Geno Smith, and that's enough to give him a C grade, and that's it. Uh, don't do anything with the Seattle various tight ends because they split it all up between Will Disley, Noah Fant, and Colby Parkinson out of nowhere last week. 49ers side, 
Debo Samuel, obvious A, in a phenomenal matchup. Love him here, and he's probably going to get a few extra carries with Eliza Mitchell. I'm not going to spend any more time on that. Um, but for other members of the passing game, and Trey Lance, by the way, was my take a chance on me quarterback that you may have heard earlier in the show. Brandon Ayuk with a B grade. We're going to throw out last week's monsoon game. Ayuk averaged 6.2 yards after the catch last season. That was sixth most. Seahawks allowed 5.8 yards after the catch last season. Fourth worst. So a great opportunity for Brandon Ayuk after the catch. And cornerbacks Justin Coleman and Michael Jackson posted uh, sub-40 PFF tackling grades last week. So I can see Ayuk getting free for a long one here. I like his prospects, and I've got a B grade on him. And then lastly, Jeff Wilson. By the way, I'm under the assumption George Kittle is not going to go in this game. Um, although Tyler Croft is a sneaky sleeper against a defense that just allowed seven catches and 85 yards to a tight end. If you're really in a pinch at tight end and Kittle gets ruled out, Tyler Croft might be a good way to go. Let's talk about Jeff Wilson, your new lead running back. Not nude. Your new lead running back for the 49ers. Although if he were nude, it would add a new, an interesting element to the game. In games in which Wilson has had more than 15 carries throughout his career, and there's eight of those, and the lead carrier carrier for the Niners always gets at least 15 carries, he has averaged 92 rushing yards and 18 receiving yards. That's a total of 92 plus 18. It's 110 yards and a full touchdown per game. Jeff Wilson, when he gets 15 carries. Jeez. That is massive productivity. That is a lot. He gets the Seahawks this week. If Gordon and Williams hadn't both fumbled at the one-yard line against the Seahawks, we'd be talking about how the Seattle run defense has already given up a 100-yard rushing game and two touchdowns. Yeah. So, Jeff Wilson, A grade for him. Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, more matchups to break down, including the Texans taking on the Broncos. My beloved Texans. That Texans offense. We already talked about Davis Mills, who we like. What about Nico Collins? Didn't do much last week. What about Brandon Cooks, who did? We'll tell you what we think about those guys when we return to Fantasy Football Weekly. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win win. 
Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Welcome back, Fantasy Football Weekly. Paul Charchian, Scott Fish, Brian Johnson with you. Scott, Falcons take on the Rams. Falcons running backs were really far more effective than the Rams were. Rams with a big opportunity to bounce back. But let's start with Cordero Patterson, yes. one of the best stories of week one. And and early last year. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a right. two-year-in-a-row thing here. Well, la- this this week, or last week at least, Patterson uh, Patterson's role was basically a full role because Damian Williams went out, and their only active backup was Avery Williams, a converted defensive back who mostly yeah. plays special teams. This week, Williams will be out again, but they're prepared for it. And Tyler Algier, who I play in the league with, will also get some work. But indications are Patterson will once again get that workhouse workhorse role, 15-plus touches. My problem is it's a very tough matchup against yeah. a Rams D that was top 10 in a lot of categories against the run last year. So I only have a B grade on Cordero Patterson. I'm going to have Algier on the bench. I'm not going to trust him in this very first game. Sorry, Tyler. Uh, as for the passing game. I think he'll be okay. Yeah, I suppose. Surprisingly, have starting grades somehow on Mariota, London, and Pitts in a game I think they'll be behind a lot and need to pass to even try to attempt anything. Tough Saints defense, but how about Mariota's Uh, rushing from last week? Yes, that's exactly the point. Mariota is not going to get you a ton through the air, but he had a third of their running back rush carries last week. 10 plus rush attempts is easily within the range of outcomes for him. That's going to give him a C grade. It's kind of like Jalen Hurts, only not quite as much passing volume. (laughs) So he gets the C grade on that alone. Um, Again, a tougher matchup, but I feel like they'll fall behind the rush attempts plus falling behind. Give him a C grade here. Drake London also gets a C grade. It's hard not to like what we saw in week one. He missed all preseason, then goes on to lead the team in target share, receptions, yards, everything basically. Jalen Ramsey's going to try to lock him up, but he had some trouble last week, and he had a tr- some trouble at the end of last season, mm-hmm. too. So, you know, may- maybe just on pure volume alone, and again, game script, Drake London gets a C grade for me. I have a B grade on Kyle Pitts, and I- I'm getting frustrated, Charge. And Brian. Brian, especially. I'm oh, getting yeah. frustrated. Exactly. He's consistently top five in so many superfluous categories. <laughs> not anything that generates but, fantasy But points. not fantasy points. Like last week, he had, what, like I think, third or fourth, fifth most unrealized air yards that oh. just didn't happen for him. Once those start happening, he's going to be like a solid A most weeks, but they're just not happening. So I'm giving him a B in, a, once again, a tough matchup trailing B grade until he until he can show it I'm not gonna give him an A until he shows me it I think we're, I that's, think that's fair for Kyle Pitts right now on the other side Matt Stafford is getting an A grade Cooper Cup is getting an A grade I don't think I need to talk much about it it's night and day from last week last year's top pass defense last week this year or this week they get a bottom five pasty yeah. so Stafford and Cup easy A's but what are we gonna do with Allen Robinson I'm gonna keep my eye on it but I'm half throwing out week one he played 90 seven percent of the snaps he had half the red zone wide receiver targets and we just watched Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas torch the Falcons Mm. for 150 plus yards and two scores so I have a C grade hesitantly but a C grade on a on Allen Robinson a wide receiver in that good offense yeah Tyler Higby was one of your way too many too many chance on me he's a good streaming option he is 
in the run game, we need to buy into Henderson. We we do. They they want Cam more involved. They say it, but they didn't show it on the field. And even the stuff after last week wasn't super optimistic. And he had some pretty bad plays. He did. Pretty bad plays yeah. in that game. So Cam is on the bench while Henderson gets a B because he was one of only six backs, had a full work 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 workhorse role, and one of only six backs to play every single red zone snap for that team last week. The B is kind of due to how competent the Falcons run D was. It actually seemed pretty good outside of the one Taysom Hill run. Yeah. They shut everything else down. So just a B grade, B grade for Henderson in case Cam Akers does make his way Something. in there as well. I think they'd like to get Akers going. I think they would a chance to because they know from they know Henderson after watching him all of last year. Yeah, Henderson's not a special running back. He's just the lead running back for the Rams. They'd like to get Akers going. He'll give they'll give him more chances. I don't know if they'll make good on it, but he'll mm. get more chances. Brian, Texans take on the Broncos. We love the Texans in general. We've already talked about Davis Mills. You're taking a chance on me. Quarterback, well, tell me about his receivers. Who else do you like in this one? I basically only like Brandon Cooks. Going to give him a B. He saw 12 targets in week one, while the rest of Houston's wide receivers totaled just nine. It's not the mm. best matchup for Cooks, but the volume should be there. Uh, Davis Mills loves looking his way, so a safe B for Cooks. Uh, I got the rest of the, the wide receivers on the bench for Houston. Hopefully, Nico Collins steps up soon, but I'm not going to put him in my starting yeah, lineup. I had to I drop him in a couple leagues. Now, as for the tight ends, so O.J. Howard ran six pass routes last week, saw two targets, scored two touchdowns. Now, if I were to extrapolate those numbers <laughs> across a full season with an average of about 30 routes per game, my calculator would blow up. But yes. I've got him on the bench uh, in Brevin Jordan. Uh, we, had, we need some more clarity there. We'll, it'll be interesting to see if Howard gets ramped up more, runs more pass routes. But for now, they're both on the bench. As you mentioned, Davis Mills might take a chance on me quarterback. And lastly, the running backs, T-Rex Burkhead. I call him T-Rex because he too soon will be extinct like the Tyrannosaurus <laughs> Rex. Hell, I love it. Going to give him a C. Uh, as mentioned, he ran uh, or saw more than 70% of the snaps, was only one of three running backs with more than 10 carries and more than seven targets. So for now, he is the starter. So based on expected volume alone, going to give him a C. And Damian Pierce on the bench until he sees more playing time. But that should come sooner than later, hopefully. Over the Denver side, Javante Williams, easy A here. Still in a timeshare, but this is a great matchup. Last year, the Texans were 32nd in red zone rushing defense and 30th in explosive run rate. Last week, Williams ran 28 pass routes and was targeted in 43% of them for 12 targets. That's like Alvin Kamara-type receiving work there. Yeah. Pretty exciting. So an A for Williams uh, and a B for Melvin Gordon. Played in 44% of the snaps. Last week, totaled 72 combo yards on 14 touchdowns, so he still is a major factor. He also saw more touches in the red zone than Williams did, so he's a strong start in, a, in this plus matchup, so a B for Gordon. I'm going to give Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy both a B. I like pretty much, I like both of them pretty much the same. Uh, yes, the Texans went into overtime last week, but still the Colts' wideouts totaled 17 catches, 240 yards, and one touchdown, so Sutton and Judy could both get something done in this game. And now... Over to Albert. Hold hold on, Fish. I got this. Albert Okwebunam. Yeah, good job. Wow, nice job. Get the Q in there. He gets Okwebunam. a C. Uh, Andrew Beck stole some early work from Okwebunam, but uh, he still led Denver tight ends in targets and catches in week one. Houston allowed the 12th most yards to tight ends last year, and the Colts tight ends were just targeted nine times against the Texans last week. So I like Albert O. And lastly, Russell Wilson, I don't like him too much. He really annoys me, but I'm going to give him a B. Wilson didn't get his revenge in Seattle, but he still posted strong numbers in his debut with Denver. Last season, the Texans finished bottom 10 in passing yards, 
touchdowns and yards per attempt, and that's bottom 10 in a bad way when it comes to their defense. The Texans overhauled their secondary, including both safeties, but they are both rookies, as is starting cornerback Derek Stingley, who was a first-round pick, but still a work in progress. Wilson should have a good game here. I think he should have a good game. Two calculator items. Number one is 8-0-0-8-5. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And the second is, what the heck is M+, plus, M-, minus, M S, M R, M C? What does that even do? Does anybody know? No. I mean, if, I, I, do I, do I, who knows what those buttons on a calculator does? If you do, at Paul Charchian, explain what all of those M's mean on a calculator because I don't Oh, you don't, you don't, I don't want to be tagged in those tweets. Bears <laughs> taking on the Packers. We begin as a reminder my take a chance to be runners, the ground bear, Khalil Herbert. The ground bears might take a chance to be running back. Let's, uh, let's stick with the running backs and go to, um, David Montgomery averaged 3.5 yards per carry against uh, the Packers last year. He's going to yield some of the carries to Herbert, as I discussed earlier. And the Packers run defense, while it did not grade out well against Minnesota, graded out very well last season. I don't necessarily trust him here. Only one running back topped 100 yards rushing against the Packers since the uh, since elite run-stuffing linebacker Devontae Campbell arrived in Green Bay. But Montgomery did it in week 12 of the 2020 season two years ago, if that means anything. I don't think it does. C grade on David Montgomery. That's it. I don't I don't love him here. Uh, Justin Fields only gets a C grade. Passing last week was bad, but it was a monsoon. Uh, I'm worried about him passing in perfect conditions against a very good Packers secondary. And, yes, Minnesota humbled the Packers last week, but Cousins to Jefferson is a far cry from Justin Fields to Darnell Mooney. Just a C grade here and only a C grade because of the rushing threat that Fields provides. He had rushing totals of 74 and 43 yards against the Packers last year. So we'll uh, hope that he can rush for some yardage here and a C grade for Justin Fields. A begrudging C grade on Darnell Darnell Mooney, who likely gets shadow coverage from elite coverage corner Jair Alexander, who is smarting from his zone use against Justin Jefferson last week. But even if it's others, Mooney... If he sees whether it's Jair Alexander, Rasul Douglas, or Eric Stotes, it's all a challenge. None of them have given up more than 35 yards in their coverage since week 14 of last season. This is a good Packers secondary, and I don't think Mooney's going to change that. We're going to bench Cole Komet. One target on zero catches last week in two mundane games against the Packers last year, and the Vikings tight ends did nothing against the Packers last week. I don't know. Komet's going to do better than last week, but he had zero catches last week, so better doesn't necessarily mean much. Let's go to the Packers side. Uh, Aaron Rodgers has a bounce back coming if Lazard plays in this game. Rodgers' history against the Packers is just torturous with four, two, four, and four touchdowns thrown over the past four meetings. Chicago starts two rookie second rounders in its secondary, Kyler Gordon and uh, Jaquan Brisker. Sure, they held up last week in the slop, but they've got a far tougher test coming against Aaron Rodgers in perfect weather. And even if the the receivers are pretty pretty middling here. So be great on Aaron Rodgers. Uh, be great on Alan Lazard if he goes. I like him a lot. He scored in both games against the Packers last year and three of the last four against Chicago. And the other receivers proved themselves, the other Packers receivers proved themselves to be no help. Lazard's return is going to be very welcomed by Aaron Rodgers, and I see a lot of volume coming for Lazard. And let me mention this, as I probably should have started with the Packers with this. They may get three offensive linemen back in this game. That would be huge. Runyon and Jenkins and Bakhtiari, if they all come back, or even like two of the three come back, that is a that is a huge help for this line. 
I like both the running backs a lot. Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon both get Bs here. Uh, for Aaron Jones, three touchdowns in the two games last year. And after last week's game, head coach uh, Matt LaFleur said he vowed, basically vowed to get Jones more carries. The Bears were the league's worst graded run defense last week. Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel ran for almost seven yards a carry against them. It was in the monsoon, but still, that's if anything, that almost makes it worse for Chicago. They've allowed five straight backfields to top 100 yards rushing, and that includes... Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon from last year. Like them both a lot. A.J. Dillon got led the team in rushing attempts, receptions, and receiving yards and touchdowns last week. You're certainly going to start A.J. Dillon. Again, both B grades for those runners. And lastly, Robert Tunyon, the Packers' tight end C grade here, looked shockingly spry in his first game back from the ACL. Again, nobody else to throw to. I just think that there's just not a lot of sure targets for Aaron Rodgers, we'll try Tunyon. Last year, Chicago was a pretty good tight end defense, but I still don't trust him much here and think there's a chance for Tunyon if you need to throw darts at the tight end position. When we come back, premature speculation. We'll tell you guys to pick up this week that everybody else will be trying to pick up next week, but they're already on your roster. Premature speculation coming up next on Fantasy Football Weekly. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. It's the final segment of Fantasy Football Weekly. A reminder, we are still creating guillotine leagues from scratch. You can still play. You can play with your friends in a private league. Anywhere between 8 and 17 of your friends can get together to form a guillotine league. Or if you don't have friends, maybe you've just got a, maybe you're just uncouth. Maybe you've got a personality that most people find offensive. (laughs) Then... You go on to join one of our public leagues available. We've got live drafts. Basically, anytime there's not an actual NFL game going, you've got a live draft option at guillotineleagues.com. All right, gentlemen, it's time for a favorite segment on this show, Premature Speculation. This is where we give players other others will be trying to pick up next week, but are already going to be on your roster because you listen to this show. 
Scott, who is your premature speculation player this week? I am going to go with Van Jefferson, who is close to being back for the Rams this week, but couldn't quite get there. He'll probably be back next week. Uh, he was really starting to flash and show things at the end of last year, and there's a small chance yeah. Allen Robinson is actually washed, and Van Jefferson becomes the number two in a very highly explosive offense. And for my second pre-spec, because apparently we're doing things like that now, <laughs> Donovan Peoples-Jones could legit be that wide receiver one for that team. He's 17% rostered. He should be on a roster. Yeah, I picked him up in a few leagues last week. Brian, your premature speculation player. Speaking of potential team wide receiver ones, I got New York's Richie James. I'm Rich James. <laughs> Five catches last week. That's the same amount of catches as Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay, and Wandale Robinson combined. And listen, we know Sterling Shepard is injury prone. Kadarius Tony's kind of looking like he's injury prone. Yeah. Kenny Galladay's dust. He's, yeah, he's cooked. And then there's Wandale Robinson. So Richie James, Rich James, could be uh, the number one wide receiver for the Giants this season. Go grab him. Why not? How about Gus Edwards? By this time next week, Gus Edwards is going to be through three of his four weeks of uh, of the, the, the pup list that he's on, the injured reserve that he's on. And so he'll be looking at coming back. Kenyon Drake and Mike Davis for Baltimore are totally washed up. And Edwards should reaffirm his position as the backup behind Dobbins in a timeshare that we believe is going to be like 60-40 Dobbins to Edwards. I'll take a 40% running rate uh, for a team that runs the ball as much as the Ravens do. Sure. And as a reminder about Gus Edwards, his last healthy year, 2020, he was pro football focus's fifth-ranked running back, and he's never averaged less than five yards per carry in any season. Gus Edwards is a good running back who's going to come back and be an impact player for the Ravens, and you'll want to pick him up, I believe. Let's get back to our matchups. The next matchup up is the Colts taking on the Jaguars. Scott, for the Colts, it's uh, no Alec Pierce in this one, and it looks like Michael Pittman's not going to go. But you said earlier you still like Matt Ryan at the quarterback position. Yeah, I'm I'm still not sure about Michael Pittman, but, yeah, it's looking looking like he's not. They didn't practice all week. I know. Well, he got got hurt on Wednesday, um, and then he didn't practice on Thursday, and then they skipped, the team skipped their Friday practice. So the the beat so reporters maybe. the beat reporters actually say it's on the optimistic side of questionable. Oh, okay. So, right. okay. Uh, but for the Colts, Jonathan Taylor's an obvious A pretty much every week. Matt Ryan was my take a chance on me quarterback. Naheem Hines was my take a chance on me running back. Mm-hmm. Paris Campbell was one of your many take a chance on me players <laughs> over there, Charge. Uh, Michael Pittman does get the C grade for me if he d- goes. The hesitancy is on the injury. Uh, I, I mentioned what the practices were this week, but he. He may play limited snaps if he goes. Yeah. So I don't want to give him an A grade, assuming he'll be healthy and get his alpha right. rollback. I'm only giving him a C grade. On the Jags side, uh, Trevor Lawrence did his usual throw the ball into the ground or throw it too high, thinking his wide receivers are Yao Ming or something. Uh, you aren't starting him unless uh, he becomes more efficient with those attempts. But a bright spot was Christian Kirk. He's the clear wide receiver one there. He, they paid him like that, yeah. and he's the clear wide receiver one. He hauled in six of his 12 targets. 12 targets. That's awesome. Awesome volume. Uh, topping 100 yards. He'll get his because he'll be playing the same role that Brandon Cooks played last week in a similar workload, uh, and he had 82 yards against that defense. Uh, so I, th- I think uh, Christian Kirk is getting a B grade for me here. I kind of want to say C, but it's, the volume's just too high, and he's the main guy. I have both Zay Jones and Marvin Jones on the bench. The Jags do play a ton of three wide receiver sets. They had 
pretty even numbers. But this has the feel of an offense where the two mate might flip week to week. The indicators are a little in Zay's favor if you're really in a pinch. Uh, it's a matchup against a bottom 10 D from a year ago. But this the Vegas over-under is 37 on this game, the lowest of the week. There's not going to be a lot going on. I saw one of these uh, next-gen stats uh, mm-hmm. bits. The fastest timed receiver last week yeah zay jones, zay jones. what yeah and and remember he yeah that guy is a little bit of an athletic freak mm. he he had that hovering stand back up thing from a couple years oh, ago yeah. and that was weird yeah yeah uh over to the running game travis Etienne and james robinson might be annoying this season i have a c grade on Etienne here and a bench grade on robinson oh. I, I know it's super weird but etn played a hundred percent of the short yardage snaps a hundred percent of the minute two minute drill snaps 75 mm. percent of the long down and distance snaps. And if Lawrence was more accurate, he would have had two touchdowns. One was completely thrown over him or thrown. Yeah. Thrown over him. The other one, he had barely reached up and tipped and could barely get a hold of. He was wide open for one of the touchdowns that we probably could have caught. And Scott, you and I think both tweeted within about 60 seconds of each other in the middle of Sunday. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence still can't pass. He, he can't. You know, you know, everybody just, just was like, Oh, it's not yeah. his fault. Urban Meyer. I, I will say can't pass so far. I hope it changes. ETN did have a lot of bad plays, and that's why Robinson got a lot of looks. But I, I have the C grade on ETN. The reason the grades are so low is the the Colts were the third best against running backs last year, top ten last week, allowing yeah. a paltry two point nine yards per carry. And that's why Damian Pierce is going to have a bounce back right there. Yeah. Titans take on the Bills. Brian, um, Derrick Henry, a pretty sizable disappointment in Week One. What do you think in Week Two, and arguably a tougher matchup? Yeah, it's a, it's a brutal matchup. That's why he gets the lowercase b for Derrick Henry. He'll probably get 15 to 20 carries. I'm sorry, minimum, but it's a brutal matchup, as Dennis said. <laughs> Buffalo allowed less than 90 rushing yards and a touchdown per game to opposing running backs last year. Henry did have a monster game against Buffalo, but that their O-line in Tennessee has taken a step it's back bad. from last year. So just mm-hmm. the, the lowercase little b for Henry. Dontrell Hilliard on the bench, but he should be rostered, but not a good week for him. This week to start on the Bills surrendered the third fewest receptions to running back running backs last year. So Hilliard is on the bench. Yeah, injured too, by the way. Is he? Well, that makes mm-hmm. it further on the bench. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Phillips, I'm going to give him a C. He led the team in targets, catches, and yards last week. He was targeted on targeted on 27% of Ryan Tannehill's dropbacks. Hate the matchup, but Tannehill has to throw to somebody, and Phillips seems like the guy. It certainly doesn't seem like Traylon Burks and or Robert Woods, who combined for four catches and 68 yards last week. They're both on the bench in a tough matchup, as is Austin Hooper. Jeff Swaim led Tennessee's tight ends oh. in targets, receptions, and yards last <laughs> Don't week. Don't go there. So I can't advocate starting Hooper, even though the Bills yielded 11 targets to, to Tyler Higley, Higby last week. Hooper is on the bench, as is Ryan T- Tannehill. That shouldn't be uh, too hard to dis- decipher, considering I hate all the pass catchers, basically. Over to the Buffalo side, Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. Going to give them both a C. The Titans were stout against the run last season, but so far that hasn't carried over to 2022. Just to ask Saquon Barkley about that, who shredded the Titans' run defense. Singletary saw 59% of the snaps last week, so he still is the lead back. But I see both he and Moss topping 10 touches in this game. And James Cook, dead to us for now. He's on the bench, of course. Uh, Stefan Diggs, monster game in week one. He's an easy A, abused Jalen Ramsey, basically matchup proof. 
Diggs. No, no need to go any further into that. Gabriel D- Davis can give him a B. Didn't see a ton of targets last week, but he made the most of them. He played in 98% of the snaps and ran a pass route on every single one of Josh Allen's dropbacks. He remains a must-start in almost any matchup. And we talked about uh, how bad Tennessee was against slot receivers yeah. uh, last year. I'll reiterate, um, they gave up the most PPR points to slot wide receivers. 65% of the wide receiver points they gave up went to slot receivers. 13 of the 21 wide receiver touchdowns surrendered went to slot receivers. So I give Isaiah McKenzie the C, and I also like Jamison Crowder. That's why he was my take a chance on me wide receiver. I fired that bullet at Jamison Crowder. Both Cole Beasley and Manny Sanders had great games when these teams met last year. So I like McKenzie and Crowder. Dawson Knox, I do not like him again this week. I got him on the bench. The Titans allowed the Giants' tight ends to combine for just one target, one catch, one yard last week. And it's not like anyone was expecting anything from New York's Chris Myrick to have a breakout game, but this looks like a continuation of last season where Tennessee allowed the fifth-fewest yards, sixth-fewest receptions, and just three touchdowns to tight ends. So Knox on the bench for one more week. And Josh Allen, quite the opposite. He's an A. Obviously, yes. He's basically always an A. For sure. Uh, the other Monday nighter, and for some reason we have two Monday nighters. I love it, and but they're both on the East Coast. If you're going to have two Monday nighters, you got to stagger them so people can watch one or the other, right? Watch them both, rather. I mean, instead of having to choose, got to bring both it's TVs super, into it's the living room. Weird. I don't get that. Uh, Vikings Eagles is the uh, other Monday night game. Uh, we'll start with the Vikings side. Justin Jefferson's obviously a grade. We're not going to spend time on that, but let's talk about some of the other receivers. Adam Thielen, after a quiet game, gets a B grade here. Should see more opportunities in this game, even in a matchup with another uh, a, another challenging secondary. The outside cornerbacks, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, have combined to allow just one score over their last six games, which creates a contrast to Thielen's touchdown scoring prowess. But the Eagles are very susceptible in the slot, or at least moderately susceptible in the slot. And we saw Amon Ross St. Brown's big game from the slot last week, and Thielen runs from the slot regularly. And I think we get him an uptick here and a very possible touchdown B grade for Thielen. He's always a possible touchdown. I I feel like he is. He is. Uh, K.J. Osborne, very quiet last week, but he runs from the slot, and as you just mentioned, Avante Maddox, all of that same stuff. I like Osborne with the C grade here with a bigger role in in the greatest weakness coming from the slot. Uh, Kirk Cousins, if I've got A, B, and C grades on his receivers, I've got to like Cousins as well. Uh, Bradbury, very good. James Bradbury, cornerback, was very good last Sunday, allowing 13 yards on six targets. Uh, But every part of the Vikings passing game is far stronger than what the Lions would have allowed last week. So I still like uh, Cousins here. Probably not a gigantic game, but a good enough game for a B grade for him. And then Dalvin Cook. Um, Cook's value took uh, took a hit at the goal line. Kevin O'Connell ran five plays from inside the 10-yard line. Just one was a Cook run. And I think we're going to see so all... different. I know. <laughs> I, I think and this, mir- this mirrors the pass-heavy usage of the Rams last year. Um, and so that's probably going to be something that continues here. Still, the Eagles just gave up 172 yards and three scores to DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. So you're certainly starting Dalvin Cook, a B grade for him. On the Philadelphia side, A.J. Brown's an obvious A. You know to start him after the Giant game last week. And Jalen Hurts also an A. And I think we're getting to the point where we just say that he's an every yeah. week A, right? And yeah. he's just obvious A, and that's it. The he's running was top awesome. twelve top twelve quarterback in eighteen of his twenty one full starts now. How about that? Yeah. He didn't throw a touchdown last week and he was QB five. Yeah. And with no touchdown passes. And 
if the Vikings get pressure on Hertz, he's got the elusiveness to extend plays and that pressure also, you know, he could essentially make it harder for Patrick Peterson and Cam Dantzler to hang with AJ Brown and the other receivers there. Like Dallas Goddard as well, the Packers have a hodgepodge of tight ends that combined for six catches, 67 yards, and no touchdowns. And Dallas Goddard figures to be better than all of those that the Vikings gave up last week. Miles Sanders, a B grade on uh, Dallas Goddard, B grade on Miles Sanders, who was great last week, 7.6 yards per carry. That was a very strong uh, play. Vikings run defense looked really good, but went largely unchallenged there. Kenneth Gainwell on the bench. Last week, just uh, the 23 snaps, seven touches, not enough work, and Boston Scott needs a goal line run for any relevance, so he is not available either. If you missed any part of the show, check out the podcast if you're not listening to the podcast, and then uh, if if you're listening to us over the air, check out the podcast. You can hear everything that you miss. If you're listening over the air, check out the podcast for the podcast, listen over the air, whatever. It all works. Uh, Do one of the things. Whatever. (laughs) I think you know what I'm saying. Uh, Yeah, do both. Whatever it takes. Uh, We'll be back next week with more Fantasy Football Weekly, everybody. Thanks a lot for listening. Bye-bye. Fantasy Football Weekly is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.